There is an upside to being with a guy with no surprises. I mean, Steve is completely predictable, but that's one of the things I love about him. He's just so comfortable and safe. Are you dating a man or a minivan? Welcome back to the Miranda's podcast. I'm sorry for subjecting you to that. Um, <laughs> does anyone else when a when the HBO Maxing come on go dun? Because every single time <laughs> I feel like my my students yeah. who like do echolalia, but I'm like repeating it. I'm like, Doo. like any show, I always sing along to like little intro weird things. Um, but guys, welcome to the Miranda's season three, episode seven, Drama Queens. Oh, that's a good question. Is it seven? I guess it is seven. Yeah, Drama Queens. Yep, episode seven. Um, this was so much fun to watch. Oh, it was I so fun to watch. I genuinely enjoyed this. Can we do just do like um? I know we did this last week. Can we do a quick little um recap of episode six? Are we sluts? Just as we slide back into episode seven. Absolutely. Okay, so we have episode six. Are we sluts? Um, and this is kind of an interesting one because it's when Carrie starts questioning her um, kind of behavior when she wonders why Aiden won't sleep with her. And it, they'd only been dating like a week and she was already like begging for it from him. And <laughs> his response is like, have you ever heard of a little romance? And then Miranda, she's like, romance, circling it. (laughs) Yeah, she has a sticky note, romance. I never even thought of that. Um, Miranda contracts a STD. So wait, was this the, wait, was Jason our last guest? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was. Oh my God, we left off with the Jason episode. This was like Thanksgiving around that time. Um, our resident and data then, scientist <laughs> unofficially yeah, yeah our resident yeah he's amazing and um and then samantha's building is robbed and the neighbors blame her for the visitors so we're kind of left off at the beginning of carrie and aiden's relationship charlotte um you know kind of not having luck with a guy and miranda uh the whole STD thing and her yeah. and steve and kind of the be- beginning of them getting back together and them getting to know each other again Cool. So, yeah, I, I this episode I thought was so great, um, and I loved writing notes during it. Uh, yes. Should I give a quick summary? Why don't you give a quick summary of this episode seven drama queens, right? All right. So the girls all deal with variations of drama in their relationships. <laughs> Carrie stresses over the lack of drama with Aiden and oh engages God. in some classic Carrie self-sabotaging behaviors. You Charlotte and I wants- have the same notes. I literally have textbook oh, I, Carrie I bet in my we- notes. <laughs> We're going to have all the same stuff. So Charlotte (laughs) wants more romantic drama in her life. Like she kind of wants to star in a romantic comedy dramedy. Yeah. And she engages in increasingly dramatic behaviors to like meet a specific guy. Yeah. Miranda lacks so little drama in her life and and is with such a relaxed partner. He feels free enough to leave skid marks in his underwear. (laughs) And Samantha. I don't think he wanted to. Well, he that felt consensual. 
role in what he was doing with his underwear. I felt like and what he was the knew last what one? would happen with those. And I said, and Samantha becomes a Viagra addict. <laughs> okay, great. Um, yeah. I'm just going to start with my gut reaction. Um, it was so interesting to watch this episode after watching and just like that. There is just so much to break down. Okay, you, I'm right there with you. Um, I actually wrote this right here. Okay, so it was the dynamic between Miranda and Steve seen through the and just like that lens was really fascinating because what once made their relationship special and worthy, which is this intimacy and companionship and kind of like mundane things they do in love with each other was actually what ended the relationship. Yes. So seeing the similar interplay between boredom and intimacy in the relationship was really interesting that it was season three that these seeds were kind of being planted with them, that it was really fundamental to who they were. It's so, so interesting. I have to say, you know, it was, it actually kind of like holds up and like sustains that concept for Miranda wanting to like leave the marriage like way more oh than I give God. it credit for. I know. I mean, I mean, I don't know if we well, speaking of losing fans, we'll get into that later. Yeah. But um, you know, for any people that we, you know, were really diehard AGLTs, like maybe you were seeing something we didn't. Um, I don't think so, but I will give that that maybe the Miranda Steve isn't out of left field, that maybe yeah. their relationship was a really realistic depiction of the things you once loved about someone becoming the things you disdain and really drive you fucking crazy. Yeah, it's interesting. Apropos of Carrie saying like, you know, there's no drama in her relationship or she's like kind of confused by like what's happening with Aiden. Miranda says, um, quote, but you know, there is an upside with being with a guy with no surprises. Steve is completely predictable, but that's one of the things I love about him. He's just comfortable and safe. And then Carrie's like, are you dating a man or a minivan? And um, there is also like a great line later when, you know, Miranda and Steve are like, having their like no frill sex, which I don't really know what that is, to be honest. And then they were having um, watching her like Dateline-esque show. And, you know, they were just cozy. It was like major, you know, hug, so to speak. And um, the quote is, there was the kind of closeness that only came from true intimacy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this episode, my God, what a perfect episode to discuss I after know. dissecting their relationship and in just like that. Seriously. Something's happened for a reason. <laughs> so, and I just I like totally that. didn't write that quote down because mm-hmm. I was completely like <laughs> floored by when she says that doing Steve's laundry was the highlight of her Saturday night. I know, I know. Pers- and then Sam's response is, your relationship is my greatest fear realized. <laughs> That's my Samantha Zinger, actually. (laughs) I know. That's absolutely my Zinger, too. Um, But yeah, this, God, this was such a great plot line for Miranda and Steve, because I'm sure if you didn't have the future knowledge of them Mm -hmm. ending because Mm -hmm. of this kind of boring, mundane intimacy, Mm -hmm. you would think that like, wow, look at this stable, healthy, loving relationship. And I think anything too much is never a good thing. Mm-hmm. And maybe too much stability, too much intimacy um, in that sense 
isn't a good thing. And I, I call this, um, I think I've told you this so many times, you yeah. know, I like these like cheesy fucking quotes <laughs> and it was my, um, uh, I think it was like my brother. No, I don't know who there's this quote and it's my Angelo, I think. Um, <laughs> and she says that jealousy in a relationship is like salt on food. Too much can ruin a good meal, but enough. Wait, I fucked that up. Is but like jealousy? enough, like makes it better. Jealousy. Yeah. So, yeah. And what I mean by this is, and I've taken that as adding a little bit of salt. Okay. So in every relationship needs a little bit of salt sprinkled into Maybe it. And I don't spark. think Miranda and Steve, they didn't have enough salt. And I think because their foundation was so stable, it was so like, they really indulged. No. I need to interject because remember, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I dare I say no. My t- <laughs> Just like that. Um, <laughs> no, because we, you know, we forgot about like season two and like Steve being like, God damn it, Miranda. Like just fucking chill out and like deal. Like, I'm sorry. I'm like getting in the way of your like Saturday routine where you go to the gym and you like do this and you do that. Like. You know, there is there have been times where Steve has like, you know, put his foot down and has been like annoyed at Miranda. So but 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 I think that's in a sense of more reprimanding her for who she is. Whereas I, when I'm talking about adding salt to a relationship or adding yeah, a little spice mean? means maintaining some mystery, maintaining mm. a sense of of like of like and I think, you know, a lot of for a lot of um, people I've talked to who are in long term monogamous relationships, a lot of Steve and Miranda's relationship was very relatable. Yes. And that like it can get fucking boring and sex isn't always like a one night stand quality. Yeah. And that's kind of the deal <laughs> when you're signing up with long term relationship is that there's going to be peaks and valleys. And yeah. Um, and 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 I don't think there's like a perfect way to do it, but and I think at the end they talk about this that adding that little bit of salt when Steve goes into the laundry room and they have sex oh, in the laundry machine. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> and I think the quote is something. I think I I don't know um <laughs> where that quote is. But um, you know, I thought it was really nice that like Miranda has that moment at the end, that Miranda and Steve did have that. They did have that little bit of spice and salt yeah. in their relationship, that they could have sex on the washing machine and I they mean, could surprise each other. I didn't love that they returned to the scene of the crime. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I didn't even think about that. Fornicated where the skid marks were materialized. Like I, would, I was like not okay. I just like couldn't. You're like I was triggered. My, my OCD like couldn't push past the skid marks in the underwear. I know, and clearly she had some PTSD because you can see her before that moment when he comes in, like carefully picking up the underwear. Um, so I don't know how she was able to change state of mind so quickly from like cautionary touching of underwear to like sexual arousal. But um, well, it's you know, funny whatever. because when I I think I've mentioned on the pod in the past when I saw a drag show in SF that was like a Sex in the City themed one. They like obviously highlighted the grand finale was like highlighting the skin marks on Steve's underwear. It was it's like such an obscure thing. It's so it's, funny. It's so funny because any like true loyal SATC mm. fan is gonna know that exactly. So I love that they included it. I think one of my big issues is I don't think people should own white underwear. <laughs> I agree. I completely agree. I think right? that's absolutely uh, brilliant. Yeah, I actually think that's smart. Yeah. 
There was actually, it's kind of interesting in this episode, I'm just thinking about this. There were some very like childlike behaviors going on <sighs> with these characters that you, Char- Charlotte, the petulant child who doesn't get what she wants, so she keeps demanding. And being Steve, kind of psychotic. Yeah. Steve soiling himself <laughs> <laughs> in his white underwear. Carrie, Carrie just not being, being able to accept good things and kind of having that teenage angst of like, I want bad things for me. But also um, like she was being so mature about you know even she says herself like you know I wanted to like meet i.e. Big's mother so bad and now like I it's right in front of me and I like don't want to do it I mean there was just there was just so much of like Carrie wanting like getting in the way of herself yeah wanting the greener grass you know like she you know and so it was it was hard to watch and it's also guess what we know how Carrie and Aiden end this makes sense for the trajectory of the relationship that it would start off with her questioning if she's interested or not because they end that way too with her being like fuck like am I interested well Um, yeah speaking of the meeting of the parents I have a question for you yeah at what age do people stop having to like meet the parents and referring it to that way? Because like mm. when you're 50 and you're dating somebody because of like maybe divorce or whatever, I mean, do you have do you have that conversation? Like at what age is meeting the parents not in the equation? I don't think it's not not in the equation. I don't know if that made sense. I just, I just it's negative. kind of funny if you if you imagine somebody who's like a divorced person who's like 55 and they have like an like, 80-year-old mother. Like Miranda meeting Chase, like 80-year-old mother. Oh, okay. You are so right. I didn't even think about that. I don't know. For some reason, the concept of like I'm meeting my parents feels again so juvenile, right? Yeah. But you're right that it is meeting family, like that's timeless and anyone at any point but the idea of like hey I care I want you to meet my parents and he's got like the backwards hat at the yeah. cafe and it just felt kind of like a yeah they felt so young but they look so old also because it's like early aughts and I'm I like know. are you guys 40 I don't know I actually yeah I kind of want to jump into care more of the Carrie plot line in this episode let's do it basically basically at the top of the episode it was just so absurd Carrie's like, <gasps> like waking up in the middle of the night because she having night terrors, yeah, having night sweats, night terrors, because it's that feeling of forgetting something. I mean, I truly hate that feeling of forgetting something. She realizes that this is actually the quote. And then I realized what was wrong was for the first time in my life, I was in a relationship where absolutely nothing was wrong. Sailing, nothing but calm seas and blue horizon as far as the eye can see. Do you understand what I'm saying? Absolutely. There's not a cloud in sight. We we adore each other. We have fun together. We mesh. And this is a problem? No, it just, well, it just, it, it feels odd. You know, I'm, I'm used to the, uh, you know, the hunt. And this is effortless. It's just, it's freaking me out. He describes mm. it as like calm seas and blue horizons we mesh and it feels fine to the girls at brunch and like this is such like textbook carrie yes all fans have discussed how she's kind of like the person chasing the highs and lows of a tumultuous like fuck boy type of relationship 
Um, yeah, this was very in line with her character. Mm-hmm. And I think the show does stay true to Carrie and that they don't pretend for her to be. I mean, it, and just like that, maybe not. But in this series, and especially in season three, like that selfishness, that narcissistic sense, that self-sabotaging, the immaturity, they always write that in pretty well. Yeah. Um, and this was, I'm glad you brought it up because it was so clear that how yeah. like much of that like self-sabotaging was happening in this episode. Yeah. And I also thought it was interesting and I can't remember if Carrie brought it up or if um, Samantha brought it up, but someone asked if it seems too good to be true, like he probably is. And come on, Gilly, what do you think about that? Okay. I'm so glad you brought that up because Okay, I have a lot of obsessive compulsive thinking in which I believe like I mean we all know no, that. No, no, I yeah, yeah, yeah. It's this idea that if something is too good, some something to, like bad is going to happen Impending to, like, doom. Eat it out. Right, impending doom. My mom says she's like it, it's so weird, it doesn't make sense, but mm-hmm. it feels comfortable for me mm-hmm. because it creates this like order and balance and my mom will say like you're always like, and I used to, I don't do this as much anymore, but you're always waiting for the other shoe to drop. Mm-hmm. And I think Carrie, what we've noticed has some like kind of obsessive compulsive tendencies in her frameworks, yeah. mental frameworks. I think there's some religion that plays a role into some of that thinking or Absolutely. at least just like religious type of values of yeah, like thinking the, if some, you know, that, like, yeah. Doomsday. Very binary thinking of like good and yeah. bad, doomsday. Like yeah. if something's good, something bad must happen. Like, uh, like it, I think Carrie also probably hasn't been with somebody like Aiden. Mm. I think we know this with women who have like consistently dated kind of toxic people. Dating somebody toxic feels really familiar. And then dating someone who's nice feels really probably boring because it's not as like those ups and downs. We've mentioned this a lot on the pod. And I think my sister talked about that, that when you're dating somebody who's withholding, when they give, it feels really good. And then when they take, it feels really bad. But when they give again and it's this like cycle, which um, I know that she, and she even mentions this in the episode. I have to find, I have so many notes for this episode that I'm like oh, having a hard I know. time even going through them. I was writing just like so much. Um, well, yeah, oh, it's, it's, yeah, it's interesting oh, the highs and the lows. I mean, I'm personally like, I mean, this is more of my like personal private life, but I'm going through a breakup right now and it's, and it's actually an amicable, an amicable breakup, but actually like. There was a lot of highs and lows last year. So the past like several plus months. And now we're at like kind of a calm place and it, and actually like looking forward to like moving on and, and getting out of something that wasn't working. But I remember, you know, I've never been one to chase that kind of feeling, but just given kind of where like what was happening in my relationship, it was like we would have like really like bad fights and then we would cry and like really just want it to work and say I'm sorry like I love you and it was just that like the it was like that push and pull and the and the the, the security a blanket of the apology and then feeling oh. that comfort and it truly was like kind of an endorphin release because it was I mean, a combination it, of saying what you needed to say and then yeah. feeling comforted and like letting go and crying and so i understand the weird i don't know kind of like serotonin play that's happening with carrie Gilly, i mean absolutely and 
Carrie says this, the ever so seductive withholding dance. Like it Mm. is seductive to fall into that pattern. Um, Mm -hmm. It feels exciting. It feels to Mm -hmm. kind of pull in Charlotte's plot line, the Mm -hmm. drama, the movie-esque nature of your life. And it's... And I, it's good that you can recognize the patterns in your relationships. I think everyone to some extent kind of falls into this in not maybe just even romantic relationships, but work relationships, friendships, family, where like unhealthy dynamics can feel kind of good at times. Yes. And um, it's interesting to see this fictional character who we know has all these qualities, but it's kind (laughs) of relatable because- yeah, I, I know I felt that way. I know for a long time I was really mm-hmm. attracted to guys that were mm-hmm. not into me that mm-hmm. kind of gave me scraps. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. but it feels so good when I get attention. And right. Yeah. Because you're starving and you're hungry and you're like fasting and like yeah. getting that scrap is just like that morsel is just feels so good. And I know it's more of a reflection of me not feeling worth or me not having felt worthy enough to ask for more or to like have better boundaries has a lot to do with like self-esteem, self-respect. Um, also kind of being teased and tantalized by guys because I think they can do a good job at that. Totally. Of kind of like giving scraps and making it seem like a meal. I think it's those things for sure, you know, which, you know, are things, you know, people talk about in therapy. But I also think a really big a variable that should be considered is the fact that we are just like smothered in media depictions of like really dramatic relationships and kind of what Charlotte's, you know, chasing after in this episode, which is that rom-com like kind of storybook way of meeting somebody. And so you kind of think, oh, it's supposed to be this way. It's a movie with Mandy Moore in it, you know, like this is supposed to have a low, low and then supposed to have this high, high. And I think that that is very often conflated with thinking someone's fighting for you or that you're fighting for the relationship. Passion. Actually, there might not be the foundation there. Yes. No, absolutely. It reminds me, and I think um, it's given how the media depictions of these kind of really egocentric relationships um, Mm -hmm. really falls into that that TikTok trend of being the main character or main character energy. I love that trend because it so encapsulates this tendency for people in Mm -hmm. our generation and Gen Zers believing Mm -hmm. that like your story is as if your your life is in a movie and that you are the main character. And it it really inflates a sense of ego and self-importance. Yeah. And I think it really disconnects you from other people and Carrie is a perfect example of somebody who has way too much main character energy. I mean, if we want to call yeah. the Car- Carrie yeah. trackers for this episode, like I've got them yeah. ready to go. I don't need professional help. I've got you guys. Yeah, for about another 10 minutes. Yeah. Well, I, all right. Do you want to do with the first Carrie tracker? Because I have okay. one. I wonder if you have one. I have two this episode. I have two. I, okay. I wonder which one you have. Okay. So I'm going to go first. I'm going to do it based okay. chronologically. This is the one that came up and I was appalled. Okay. okay. Aiden is talking about meeting the parents. Okay. Yes. Carrie says, parents have always been my thing. They think I'm adorable. Now, I don't think any person over the age of five should refer to themselves as adorable. (laughs) So I gave that a tracker because I thought it was really (laughs) self-involved. 
<laughs> I agree. But that's I know, not that mine. Just, it, it was so cringe. Okay, I know what your next one is, and it has to do with a phone call. No, it doesn't. What? Okay, what is the tracker? <laughs> this one is for someone who was watching closely. Um, so Carrie is obviously ruminating about uh, meeting Aiden's parents, and she's completely spiraling. And, you know, she even just kind of like goes, like does a cold visit to Aiden's store and he's talking to a customer and she interrupts Aiden when he's with a customer <laughs> to like, again, dish out the whole, you know, parents meeting scenario when you should just like first maybe like call a therapist or like, you know, if you don't have one, like call a friend, you know, and I just was like, Dude, like she's he's trying to get business right now. What the hell are you doing? Okay, you know? that is such a good one. And I know <laughs> when I saw that scene, it, I definitely noted it as selfish behavior. Um, didn't write it down because the other one that I think is the most atrocious of the episode is that post <laughs> the opera and seeing Big, oh she calls God. Miranda, waking her up in the middle of the night. In the middle and of then, the night. And then when Miranda suggests that maybe she should talk to Aiden, she's says Miranda I'll wait until like I'll wait until after 3 a.m. for more civilized hour I was like you called her, you woke her up. now I know I want to be with a man who wants to be with me you know I've had enough relationship drama for one lifetime so do you think you should be telling this to Aiden Miranda it's 3 a.m. I'll wait until a more civilized hour <laughs> and then when Miranda like offers Miranda, advice please please, please. Miranda <laughs> We're I can't believe time Miranda for this picked up. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? You're enabling this. And then she's like, no, it's fine. I've just come to the realization that like, I want something good. I was like, can you imagine? Like, we've talked about this, <laughs> like getting a call at 3 a.m. from somebody like that. And then they dare say like, no, I'll talk to him at a more civilized hour. Like your advice so is, it does, is no good here. Miranda, you're call selfish you up. bitch. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so yeah, we have, pretty solid carry trackers. Um, I think also leaving the opera so dramatically was also a carry tracker. Like, come on, your friend Charlotte's in need. I don't think you should have bounced like that. That's classic carry. Ready? Wait, leaving, leaving the benefit, trying to leave Charlotte in the, in oh, the yeah. lurch and in just like that. Yeah. Like this is classic Carrie yeah. Charlotte where Carrie's like, I don't give a fuck. I, if I see a guy I don't want to uh, see, I'm bouncing. But at the same time, if I was Carrie and I saw Big with his, I don't know, they're not married yet, are they? Miranda, sorry, Miranda, uh, Natasha and Big, are they married yet? I think so, right? Because of the curly, didn't we do that episode? I thought that was the engagement. Yeah, but then that they get the married. They get married like at the beginning of season three. We never see their wedding. We just see the wedding announcement oh, okay, and okay, Carrie okay. freaks out. Oh, right, 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 right. So they're married. And I think Natasha was wearing white again. So again, Natasha wearing white, always wearing white. Whoa, you're so right. And um, I mean, I get it. I would be, imagine like having to be like sitting still and be quiet. And like, it's like getting a text message that's like really alarming. And you're like maybe like out with friends or you're like in a public place and you can't really react. Like I would want to get the hell out of there. Yeah, so it's I get definitely it. a fight or flight response. And I think flight makes a lot of sense. I think there's 
everyone probably has a story of when you're you run into an ex at an inopportune time. I've told a story in the pod before of running into my ex-boyfriend from college at that concert when I was with my little oh, sister yeah. and I just like couldn't leave and I couldn't abandon her, you know? Yeah. And but you're right, there is that tendency of like just let me not be here. I don't want to well, feel what do I'm you, feeling. What do you think um I mean, I kind of for fun would would love to know. You know, big got up and ran after her. What mm. do you think he would have said? Let's just play a game. What do you think if they met in the hallway at the Metropolitan Opera, what he would have said to her? I mean, okay. To I know it's it not even it. important from like a, you know. From an anthropological perspective. Well, from a perspective, yeah. you shouldn't even like give someone that time and energy. But I'm just wondering, what do you think Big had to say? So I'm always curious about what the other party has to say. Yeah. Based on just human social dynamics and relationships, I find interesting. Um, I think tying it into the episode when Carrie talks about the seductive dance of withholding, I Mm -hmm. think he would have expressed, like, he would have said, you look great. He would have definitely sprinkled a compliment. Yeah. We, I think, for the fact that he ran after her, he, yeah. they're doing that dance. So I think he would have yeah. probably said something to kind of pull her in. Um, I don't know yes, exactly what that is, but it would definitely be some sort of compliment because we know that she's a narcissist and would like absolutely like love being told that she looks good. I mean, who wouldn't? I would. Yeah. I think and he maybe would probably ask about like, yeah, maybe ask about if she's dating anybody. He'd want to get intel. Yeah. He'd want to see how available she he is. He would definitely want intel. I think he would also want to be like, I think he would probably say something along the lines of like, what are you doing here? Like, I noticed that you're with Charlotte. Like, is there like no guy that would take you to the opera? I think he would kind of like neg her on in that way too. And it it's so funny that this speaks so kind of, right on point with his character that we're assuming all these like terrible things. It's not like he's really concerned about yeah. her that she rushed out of the opera. Like, you know, because he's not that guy really. Uh yeah, no, I would have could have been like have I had that. a dream. You were in had my dream, dream last you. night. I was on a stationary bike. I fell off and <sighs> you tried to save me and I was in the shower and there was water. That would be so amazing (laughs) if the and just like that writers like had like planted that seed so long ago. Um, I also I think this is a great plot point because it really sets up the Carrie and Big dynamic for the rest of season three. It kind of teases the audience a little bit with like, here, we're going to give you a little bit of a a cat and mouse game with them. And then, I mean, the next episode is another big bombshell with Big and Carrie at the furniture Mm -hmm. show. Or the furniture sale. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I am curious. I I know uh, uh, Charlotte's plot line. There's something I was I mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you. So yes. Charlotte is talking to the girls at brunch, and she has this book. It's this workbook. It's oh my very God. classic. Like here are rules that you need to follow to get a man. Oh, good lord. And yeah. My my question I, was, mm-hmm. and because she said the concept is like. You, you put effort into everything else in your life. You need to put effort into dating. So my question to you is, should you treat dating like it's a job? No. Okay, no. No, Tell hard no. Hard no. Marriage Incorporated. How to apply successful business strategies to finding a husband. 
Chapter one. How to get ahead by giving ahead. <gasps> Fine. Make fun. But it's a very smart book. It encourages professional women to approach finding a mate with the same kind of dedication and organization that they bring to their careers. I mean, not when you're in a relationship, but the pursuit of one. Mm-hmm. Putting in no, very diligent, calculated effort. Right. And I, I think that the... No, I, I, I'm going to say no because... Okay, I'm sure that there are themes of like having a full time job that you could relate to dating. Like, I'm not saying there aren't things like that. It depends on, I guess it kind of depends on like how you view jobs and how you view your career and how you view like climbing in your career or not climbing in your career. And I think that I don't like the idea of someone who's super like power hungry um, or even just someone who's like really like, fighting for themselves which is like what you're doing in your job is you should be advocating for higher pay you should be you know showing examples and like evidence of you know what you've done to like improve the company blah 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 but that's so like egocentric and that is all about self and like relationships are like there needs to be like elasticity in relationships and it's like a back and forth and they're and so I, I just don't think that, you know, just because you like want something like, gosh, I, I, I just don't think that people are entitled to other humans. Yeah, um, no. And I, I think don't know if this, that makes in, sense. But. No, I, I see where you're going with it. And I, I think with in this, Charlotte is so persistent, like she's like a headhunter for Phil, right? Yeah. She is yeah. trying to hunt Phil down and it was wildly inappropriate and not successful. I yeah. think my my question stems from a, a, um, a, a place of, you know, is dating a goal oriented activity like work or other things in your life in which you have a goal and you work towards meeting that goal. And I think dating can be really frustrating when you are single and you don't know the things you need to do to get what you want. Whereas in other facets of life, there are like guidebooks and ways of of, of like, like this is how you get the perfect job. This is how you can clean your apartment and be a minimalist. Like there's all these like how to's. Oh, totally. And yet when it comes to like how to with dating, it's so subjective. There isn't like a right path. We a lot of it's sexist or misogynistic. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. And rooted in like deep patriarchal values of like women need to be submissive to men and Mm -hmm. kind of let them chase. I think there is some truth to some things that I read. Yeah, totally. Um, But it was funny that when Charlotte brought it up, Miranda, Carrie and Samantha, who are kind of more non-traditional in their views mm. of relationships, kind of tried to counter Charlotte. Um, interesting. And I, I don't know. I thought it was interesting because I, I looking at like online dating and there's so much yeah. stuff on Instagram about like what to do, what not to do, what to say, yeah. what we've talked about this so much yeah. in the podcast, when to have sex, yeah. when to, do you give gifts or not do a guy, yeah. you know? <laughs> and it's really overwhelming. Like if, if you want to find somebody, you want to settle down, you want to get married and you you're, it's not happening. Like, what do you do? Totally. I think that in general, like, you know, okay, so just for our listeners who might not have watched the episode in so much detail, like Charlotte is basically saying something along the lines of like this book uses successful business business strategies and like professionalism and like dedication and organization, like those things to find a husband. And if 
it felt like really corporate. So my brain was thinking like just like being corporate about like finding love. Just it, it, it feels like the least down to earth thing combined with like the most down to earth thing. Yeah. And interesting. That just seems like there's like dissonance there. But I do think what you're touching on, like, you know, a lot of the advice that's circulating, which I agree with, which is. If you want to like, if you are really like set on like finding your person, you got to break an egg to make an omelet and you got to just go on dates and suck it up and just crank them out, have low expectations. You got to like, give out those of, hinge roses, even if you don't get them back. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Do the opposite of what Charlotte's doing, which is really like not harp on one person, not build a fantasy around a person you haven't even met in real life yet. And like, i.e. this Phil guy that Charlotte's like obsessing over and really just going out there and yeah, maybe working. Maybe it is kind of like a job is you're working and you're being productive and you're putting in the time and the hours. Yes, I think that probably has a lot of themes of like work and business and whatever. But I think that um, what I don't like about like the book, you know, this idea of using business strategies is that you miss a lot of like nuanced moments or like really like, you know, they're like the small details and the small things. And you're like, I don't know, like in your interactions, if you're just kind of just, you know, treating it very transactionally humans yeah. and it's becoming a task. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, and at Interesting the end of the day, that at the end that yeah. she meets Trey which is like you know right right wow well do you want to do you want to explain what happens yeah so care so this whole episode she's like hampering her married friend um married friend's husband to set her up she's like married Dennis, men's Dennis married men's bachelor friends are like the untapped yeah. like resource which honestly might be true like I feel like couples yeah. know single people and are always like down yeah. to like set people up successfully or not um and that ends up being that Dennis you know is kind of like thwarting her calls not answering you know she's yeah. getting more frustrated and pent up and eventually he says like okay you're gonna meet Phil at this bar I've got it set up she goes to meet Phil. Dennis is there. Dennis confesses his love to her. She has this very dramatic moment of slapping him, running away, classic rom-com. Ever since I saw you that night at dinner, I couldn't stop thinking about you. This is not- No, no, come on, come on, don't leave, don't leave. You kept all of your great single friends away from me just so you could cheat on your wife? You should be ashamed of yourself. You're such a spark plug, I love that about you. Falls on the street while she's running. A taxi stops and out walks Dr. Trey McDougal. There he goes. Who we all know is such a pivotal character in Charlotte's And it's life. like her her knight in shining armor, which he didn't really do anything aside from getting out of the cab. and Which like any normal person would do. Yeah. I'm Trey. Charlotte. And that's how, in the most dramatic fashion, Charlotte met her new leading man. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I mean, I got happy. I like Kyle McLaughlin and um, he has yes. a fun Instagram. So it was fun to to see him again. He's um, such a beloved person in media that yeah. having him on the show is, is kind of awesome because he's just such a quirky dude. And yeah. 
now that I know more about him as like an actor and the different roles he's been in, like having him be this character on the show kind of just fits him in a way because it yeah. doesn't fit him at all, feels which different. I like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, he's the mayor in Portlandia, um, which is like a side note. Yes, he is. I love that show. And um, then obviously Twin Peaks. Damn good coffee and hot so I, I also thought it was so ironic that he enters the scene when, as Samantha's addicted to Viagra. Like, we all know that Trey can't get hard if you're a fan or whatever. <laughs> but like, I've never thought of that weird juxtaposition. I know. I, I just thought it was so great that that's the episode he entered in on. Um, I don't even think Samantha's like plot line is like kind of worth touching on. It wasn't super related. I, I well, first of all, I think that it, you know, the highs and lows of Viagra worked really well with the highs and lows of like Carrie's, you know, tumultuous type of relationships. Um, so here's the thing. Have I, I don't know if I've told you my experience th- with Viagra. Oh, God, no, you haven't. <laughs> Have I not? <laughs> no, Gilly, you certainly have not. I'm sitting at the end of my seat. <laughs> And I totally as a recipient or taker (laughs) recipient or no taker. I like ingester. Okay, go for it. (laughs) It wasn't Viagra. It was Cialis. Um, But I totally forgot that I for a time was taking Cialis. And basically I just. (laughs) Sorry, my face. Sorry. Like when I think of Cialis, I think of that old man in the tub on the mountain, like trying to get it on with his wife on a weekend away, you know, that like ridiculous commercials. So let me explain. Okay, so I, as well as Sarah, have been on Prozac and Mm -hmm. now I'm in like a good dose that like works well with my sex drive. But I was at a dose where I literally was like. A sponge like I had I was not like I didn't have sexual organs like I had like no I had, I didn't even understand the concept of why people did that I literally yeah. remember being like why do people do that it killed my sex drive that much oh yeah yeah and uh, yeah so and when I was on Zoloft right before it was actually different which is I had some sex drive but it was like a climax blocker so mm. I couldn't climax Get to that edge yeah that, that yes. peak. yeah so prozac i can but it was just like it pretty much you're like no i, I can't even was. like want to it's the wanting it decreases motivation and like the wanting you're like i don't even want to, i don't even have the want to want it <laughs> it's crazy <laughs> i don't even understand what this is <laughs> like I, I literally thought it was like so bizarre i was like sex is kind of odd <laughs> think about it like, <laughs> and so um basically i was concerned because i was in, you know obviously in a relationship and so i talked to my psychiatrist and you know psychiatrists usually take this really seriously because their whole job is you know mental health but they understand how especially for people who are in relationships like it's kind like it's a huge obstacle for them in their profession like they need to get some sort of they need to figure something out for their patient absolutely and so i don't know i thought this was an interesting story to bring up so she um prescribed me cialis um but it was really expensive 
and my insurance didn't cover it. And so she, I got like $50 worth of pills, which was like three pills. Oh my um, God. <laughs> yeah, because what insurance is going to be like, yeah, for our female insurer, we're going to give her Cialis. Well, okay. So that's, that's what I wanted to mention. So by the way, took the, I've taken, you know, the Cialis three times basically Viagra. I actually asked her, I was like, can you just prescribe me Viagra so I can tell people I'm taking Viagra? <laughs> uh, <laughs> and um, didn't feel anything. It didn't work. I think it just like might have calmed me down a little bit. It might have relaxed me, but that's it. I didn't feel anything. I might have like felt more like blood rushing to my genitals, organs. but my, yeah, <laughs> my organs interesting. So I didn't know work. I- on Instagram, maybe not even Instagram. I don't know. So I've gotten like some targeted ad where it's like, I think they're coming <laughs> out with new medications to in, to like have like a, a, a female ask Viagra, um, something yeah. to increase like lubrication, to increase desire, yeah. to increase blood flow. Yeah. Um, but that's so funny that you took it because I, when I, I remember watching this episode thinking like, that's wrong of Samantha to do like that must might like hurt her body or something. Then I'm like, well, I, I don't even know the well, mechanics of Viagra, how the so drug the- works. So I totally forgot that I had like this because this was like before the pandemic. This must have been like three years ago. And until the guy that she's dating says something like um, it hasn't been like approved for women yet. Mm. And actually, what's really interesting is, according to my psychiatrist, I might be butchering this, but my psychiatrist was arguing with my health and like she was writing letters to my health insurance company because they wouldn't cover it under my health insurance. And she was saying it was sexist that they weren't covering it because she is with her own patients seen plenty of men have Cialis and Viagra covered. And so she tried to contest it and, um, Basically, she was saying like there is tons of research out there and like evidence based research and I guess like scholarly journals or whatever that show that it actually can help women a lot. Um, And but it's just for whatever reason is like not being covered for women um, who like their health insurance. I mean, you look at like health insurance, what's covered. It's absolutely so sexist. And anything that is related to female pleasure, they're like, sorry, not important. You know, like you don't have to have pleasure to get pregnant. You can right. just get pregnant. Whereas like men. Right, right, right. Um, it's yeah. inherently sexist um, because women's pleasure has like never been at the forefront of the conversation. Um, but I, I don't really understand the mechanics of because I, I know definitely with Prozac and when I've talked to friends particularly in like long-term monogamous relationships, like the not, like not having the desire to have sex is a very common thing. Mm-hmm. And I think people kind of think, you know, that there's some normal thing that you should be having sex yeah. four times a week, five yeah. times a week. And again, yeah. normal, there is no normal. It's just whatever right. works for you and your partner, whatever makes, what you, what do you agree on? Like it could be once a month. And if you guys love that, yeah. feel good about that, then that's normal. But yeah, I, I think the, the really hard part about Prozac in particular, an SSRI, Mm -hmm. whether it's blocking um, an orgasm from happening, which you just like really can't get to that, like over that hump, which is really frustrating. The most frustrating is what you mentioned, which is like not even desiring it being like, no, thanks. 
not for me, you yeah. know? And it, and yeah. then that's really frustrating because you know you should want something and feel something and you just like can't. Yeah. So I'm I'm curious though, does Viagra make men horny or does it make men hard? And I think there has to be a difference or maybe there isn't. Like, well, I think if, when the blood is flowing down there, like, don't you? Yeah, you're, that. then you're like, actually, yeah, I don't that, know. I don't know. Yeah, maybe that does trigger mentally. Like, maybe it it's triggers. That, that, it's it triggers. <laughs> the boner triggers. So <laughs> I actually wrote something in the notes. So I was totally mistaken yeah. in, the, in this scene between Samantha and the guy. I assumed because he had like a pill on him that he was in his apartment and I was floored at his choice of throw pillows and like I know um, I know blankets I I was like this man has like sparkly chartreuse pillows (laughs) I didn't I couldn't understand the setting right away and I was like that is the biggest like anti-boner thing ever to like go to can you imagine you go to a guy's place and he has like sparkly throw pillows and yellow sheets (laughs) well as a textile designer you'd probably be turned on I would be just horrified. Who I mean, see Alice. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Is there anything else in this episode that we didn't cover that's worthy of it? Do we have a Mirandaism? It feels good to be sarcastic. I do have a Mirandaism, actually. All right, what is it? And I actually wanted to ask you. It's actually a question too. Um, Miranda says, maybe you don't believe it's for real unless someone is playing hard to get. That's what she says mm. to Carrie. That's super and, wise. Yeah, I thought that was a good, you know, concept to, to throw out there. Um, but, but maybe there's some truth to that. Like, you don't I think so. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I think Carrie asked a similar question in the episode, which is like, do does a like, is it too does good a to be true? Yeah, or does a relationship need a sense of drama to kind of be exciting or enticing? And I, I think. It, so many people in relationships face this question. It's a really delicate balance between yeah. comfort and intimacy and also like interest and desire. And a yeah, lot of do times we you need don't really drama to make a relationship work. And this question. comes back to the salt. I'm telling you, mm-hmm. every relationship <laughs> needs a healthy dose of salt. Like you need a little <laughs> bit of jealousy. You need a little yeah. bit of drama and, but too much and it's toxic. It's bad. It ruins it. Um, Speaking of salt, and this is like a random tangent, just I think maybe people like hearing a random tangent. So I was doing a cooking lesson with my students today and they love making mac mm-hmm. and cheese. Oh, and I turned, so I turned around amazing. for maybe a fucking minute. OK, <laughs> and this one student of mine who who loves just taking things in his own hands had gone up to the pot of mac and cheese and like dumped salt in it. And he's like, Miss Sarah, no, no. And he's like, Miss Sarah, more salt, more life. <laughs> Like, no, that's not how it works. I was like, you oversalted the shit out of this. So I know it. Ruined the mac and cheese. He, he, no. always, he always comes with these little, like, these little zingers, like, Miss Sarah, more creativity, more patience. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to say his name. But, and he really, like, like, and it was so cute, but he, like, kind of fucked up this mac and cheese. And all the other kids, like, they're not going to say anything. But even my teaching assistant was like, whoa, a lot of salt there, Miss Sarah. I was like, it wasn't. <laughs> I was like, I had a student go completely rogue with the salt. Don't want that blood pressure going up. I know. But so, yeah, a little bit goes a long way, but too much. And I think this relationship, yeah. this episode kind of explores a li- when things are like just right or like, you know, a little bit of Viagra is good, but too much. And you're like, Samantha, like, you know, begging for it. 
So, okay. So there was something that like really annoyed me about Carrie. And I don't know if this was a Carrie tracker as as much as like it just like really rubbed me the wrong way. Was I hate the mere concept of someone asking, why are you still single? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, it's 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 a super toxic question. And yes. But why? Like, I want to get to the core of it. Like, for me, like, like, so recently on The Bachelor, like, The Bachelor asked, like, one of the, one of the girls, she's a pilot, like, he's like, like, I have a question for you. Like, why are, how are you still single? And I just, I like, I don't know. It, I think toxic's the right way because I, I feel like it's saying as if, like, being single is a bad state to be in and you want to avoid that. It's kind yeah. of be, yeah. What do you think? Yeah. No, I think in what, when you just said that it, um, cause at first I wasn't sure, but then you said that I was like, Oh, absolutely. That, that makes sense where it's assuming that if you're single, there's something wrong with you or what is up with, with you, you that yeah. you're not with somebody because the norm should be that you're with somebody and you're like, what, what have you done or what about you? Like, and maybe she asked Aiden in a complimentary sense, like, you're so great. Like, why are you single? It felt a little bit more because based on the episode accusatory, like, yeah. really, what are your flaws? What's going on? Like, you should be married. Why aren't you? Um, and it does kind of demonize yeah, like, singleness and, and being yeah. alone that there's something inherently wrong or missing with you and that the default norm is like being with somebody. And I think that's a really flawed sense of looking at relationships in life and individuality. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, it's like, you know, she's trying to be like, what are your flaws? And like every human has flaws. And so it's just kind of like a strange way of like getting to know someone and also like putting someone you just met on the pedestal. I always think is a bad idea, but also like the, the question to me, it felt like, why are you still driving without a seatbelt? You know what I mean? Like, that's how. <laughs> Wait, what? Explain that, Gilly. Okay, so it's kind of like, okay, like, why are you still doing something that's like not safe? <sighs> okay, to do? There, there it goes. Sorry, I, I didn't get there sometimes. <laughs> or like, why sometimes. are you. Why are you like still unvaccinated? You know what I mean? Like, it's it just feels like. It's, that it's might setting, be a valid question, but I know what you yeah. absolutely mean. But that one might be, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, but it's, abs- yeah, it's setting like a, a line in the sand of like, so, like on this side it's right, on this side it's wrong. Like as if there's like no gray area, or as if like I don't know, like people like have. I, I guess like, and also, like I, think, I don't like when yeah. people ask questions in which there really is no good answer to them. Like they're asking something and it's yeah. more reflective of their own insecurities and than, than actually interested in what the person has to say. Because like what what could he say that would be a satisfying answer? Um, I'm afraid of commitment and I like being alone. Then it just reaffirms her fears. Could he say yeah. he's a widower and then it elicits pity? Or could it just be like, yeah, 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 I'm yeah. just single? Like, haven't yeah. found the right, you know what I mean? And then yeah. it's like, there's no satisfying answer to that question. So I don't think yeah. it deserves being asked because it's yeah. really self-serving. Yeah. And I think, I don't know. I'm just going to throw an idea out here. I think it's almost more annoying if a guy asks it than if a girl asks it. Asks it. Yeah. I would say there's a double standard there. Yeah. Because I feel like, especially on The Bachelor, when he asked that, I was like, duh, like we have to deal with you people. Like, 
Like, I don't know, maybe she's got, like, experienced some trauma or, like, some domestic violence. Like, there's a myriad of reasons why she might not be, like, wanting to be in a relationship with a man right now. But, like, I don't know. Maybe okay, now, it's my Billie, I'm gonna ch- right now. I'm going to challenge our thinking a little challenge. bit. Okay. Challenge. I don't do know it. how old Aiden is, but I'm sure when yeah. guys get up there in age... You yes. can start wondering what's up. Like, <laughs> I think like a guy post 35 and this is again, I'm not because, of, because the fact of the matter is a lot of guys like I look at like my um, I'm trying to think like a lot of people are in long term relationships and they end and they're like single at 36. Like, I totally get that. But yeah. I guess if you were like yeah. dating a guy and he was like 39 and he had like only had like a couple of like not serious flings you do wonder right because there is a level of maturity that comes with settling down and that is a norm that we've been conditioned to think that there is something wrong with somebody if they haven't found somebody so I'm kind of challenging my own thinking and and like trying to dissect why I would think somebody at 40 if they're single is problematic because I think inherently I I would question that. I don't know if I want to. Like some guy at 24 single, I'm like, perfect. That's great for you. It's like there's this weird timeline between 18 and 40 where everyone can question why are you the way you are like if you're 18 in a committed relationship we're like you're a fucking idiot if you're 30 (laughs) and you're a committed relationship we're like that's perfect very good if you're getting married at 22 you're insane are you a hostage like what is happening (laughs) so i think it's it's just fucking hard for everybody like single relationship but i do have a funny I do what? have a funny story. And I don't know if I've mentioned this on the pod. I've, I'm sure I've told you about it. Like, I don't know. Like, you bringing that up, like, when I was, like, you know, 25, 26, I definitely was, like, dating guys in their, like, late 30s, early 40s. I think the highest I went was, like, 45 Why? at, like, 25. And, okay. you know, I think it, All right. I think at the time, actually, I know at the time that I was just like so over like 20 something guys and I really just wanted to have like a nice meal and a nice conversation with somebody like truly. And so I just like was like, all right, well, got to go older. But I remember like one of the guys I met, he was 40. And I remember like there were I don't know. It was like (laughs) I don't even know why I'm bringing it up, but it's like he was telling me this whole story about how like because I was I I guess I kind of asked him the same thing which is like like why are you still single at 40 Mm -hmm. and he he basically told me this this, like weird story in which you know uh I like took my girlfriend to Paris and um you know we'd been together for years and I think she really wanted me to propose to her and, you know, I was thinking about it and then, um, yeah, I just didn't end up doing it. So (laughs) yeah, I think that's why I'm like, I was like, um, yeah, she definitely thought that was going to happen. Wow. Like I was just digest there (laughs) and he was just like, yeah, I don't know. I just like, didn't really like feel like it. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't really think much about it. And I was like, Oh my God. God, like, to me, that answer is think. so off-putting. I know, just like think, like shit or get off the pot. Like I don't, like I don't know. Like <laughs> I don't know. No, that's super funny. Um, I don't know if I ever told you. I, I think I've mentioned this on the. I, I definitely mentioned this on the pod before when that, like maybe seventy 
plus guy asked me out. <laughs> yes. But yes, when he got my yes. number and then he ended up and I thought it was kind of like a friendly kind of like, you know, Networking. meals on wheels situation <laughs> where, <laughs> where you're like helping a senior out. But I didn't realize that he thought it was kind of like a flirty thing. Oh, and God. when he called, like it was so old school, like this guy clearly did not know how to text. So he legit <laughs> called me and I was like, oh, pop, like you're essentially like a poppy. You know, you're a grandfather. Like so weird. Um, And I I think he he was single because he was a widower or divorced. But um, yeah. So Sarah's like, why are you still single? (laughs) He's like, my wife died, you asshole. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. No, I told you. But like, it's based on age. People expect you to meet certain life milestones. And so, like, if you're single at 80, people have sympathy. They, like, want you to find love. But if you're single at 40, they're like, get your shit together. If you're single, it's just so unfair. Yeah, I feel like every age. Yeah, I've tried to spend a lot of time, like, rewiring and, like, deprogramming, like, that kind of conventional thinking. Because, like, I know Mm -hmm. for myself personally, like... I just know that I've never like wanted like, you know, the 2.5 kids. Da, 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 da. Like it might happen, but I haven't been like so firmly like that is yes. the goal. And yes. that is totally OK if it is a goal. And so I'm trying to like deprogram that thinking because I'm because I'm not living that way. I don't want to feel like bad that I'm not living that yeah. way. And so. Um, yeah. yeah, that like deconstructing and removing old frameworks that were taught and shown to you is is a huge challenge. And we kind of mimic things that we see. And if you've yeah. only seen things like that yeah. and you're not meeting those, but you don't really want to yeah. meet those, you do feel like yeah. you're failing, but you're like, but I'm not even like trying to compete in this race. And, and there aren't many blueprints for like other kind of ways non-traditional ways of existing exactly and it's really frustrating and i i think this speaks to a larger trend in just life and non-traditional living and i'm not mean like commune hippie living but i mean just like normal like people not to say they're they're abnormal who just want other things that don't look like what you see all the time yeah and this is i think our society's really getting better at it. And I think every generation gets a little bit more accepting of living in a different way. Um, but it is hard. Um, it's hard because you do have to deconstruct and challenge these longstanding beliefs. Um, yeah. Oh, and that's why we watch sex in the city, you know, (laughs) it's a super, super informative show. And it actually does show, you know, women who at that time, like 2001, 2000, women in their mid-30s single was non-traditional and yeah. was pushing boundaries. Yeah. So I think the show yeah. did try to show that, which I think is great and why, we, why we're why we such fans of the show. And I'm so glad we're back yeah. to SATC, yeah. not AGLT. Yeah. I have a note. Tell me. I have a really, like, I can't even tell you, like, <laughs> how hard I laughed when Carrie is going through her, like, another one of her spirals and she's, like, already told Aiden to leave her alone and that, and that, like, maybe we should get more distance. And so Aiden's, like, you know, just, like, not being available, as he says. And I loved when Carrie called up his store and the person who works at the store (laughs) picks up the phone and goes, furniture company. (laughs) And I was like, is his 
furniture store called <gasps> Furniture Company. Like, I thought that was so funny. Wait, that is such a random, hilarious detail that only you would find. That's so yeah. good. Furniture Company. I was like, they couldn't have come up with any name. That's so good. Okay, another random detail in the episode that totally reminded me of you. So if anyone knows Gilly, Gilly is never without her like teeny ass pocket planner that she uses a pencil to fill in. It's so cute. It's so old school. So when I saw Charlotte like fill, I have her planner like ready to go filling it out with dates. It just mm-hmm. totally reminded me of you. Like you love, love, love ah. your planner. <laughs> I do. Um, okay, I actually so- have some fashion call outs. Oh my God, she's fashion roadkill. I was just going to go there and let's do should it. We, I have a should, really funny one. Okay. Should we, I have one. Should we say I know what it, is. it at the same time? Okay. I wonder right. if it's the same. Ready? Three, two, one. Aiden. Aiden. Yeah! <laughs> Aiden was wearing a backwards cap that like had a Honda logo on it, logo on it. And he had like a brown plaid shirt and jeans and he had these Fuck amazing yeah. like like Ray-Bans that were kind of like the John Lennon Ray-Bans and he had his hair and he looked so cool. Okay, Aiden is the winner of fashion this episode he hands hot. down. He looked hot as fuck and i i don't know how yeah. i've never noticed this to be honest like yeah maybe it's just in look, style that look right now i don't know yeah so along that lines though i was watching this with dakota <laughs> and he had the funniest comment that i would not have noticed okay i was so smitten what? that i did not realize he's like sarah whoa that guy's head is so big his hat is on the last notch so if you look at his hat it's literally <laughs> like that hat is holding on for dear life like if when you have a snapback <laughs> he's on the last one and it's like busting out of his head <laughs> that's really funny so both uh, a good fashion call out but also <laughs> details wise like they couldn't have found him a bigger hat <laughs> oh, that's really funny oh my god yeah but he's definitely the fashion call out of the episode um and i also what are your love- so I, I I also thought Charlotte looked stunning in this episode, oh, and I she loved did. her side part. I loved her. I was she had hair. a very yeah she had a great yeah non chuggy side part. Non-chuggy side part. And yeah. she I loved her like last preppy look. She reminds me of this blogger I follow, Jenny Walton, who's this just like hmm. fantastic just like style icon. Um, and it was I just liked that like the white button down with the fun skirt, the cute <laughs> mule, yeah, um, super preppy but really pretty. And I actually liked Carrie's like wiry curly hair up in a bun with her like gold, you know, earrings and like that oh, knit, yeah. like sweater dress thing that was belted. I thought that was cool. Yeah. So so what is a rating system now? Are we back to Manolo's? We're back to Manolo's and I have mine ready and I'm oh, shocked shoot. to give it. I had a religious experience at Manolo Blahnik. Shoot. Okay. Um. Should we go at the same time? Three, three, two, two one. Four point seven five. Okay, oh! I was going to go four point seven five, but I felt a little generous, so I was toggling between those two. This is a great episode. It's a great episode. But Gilly, are our ratings just inflated because we just watched it just like that? <laughs> no, you know why I have such a high rating <laughs> is because. 
For our listeners who've just joined us via watching in just like that, so this is episode seven of season three. Season one, season two, and then the beginning of season three, like it was, the show was actually like, it was entertaining, but it was like really shallow. It was still very like, you know, punny jokes and not like kind of sweeping generalizations on different kinds of people and you know, uh, Charlotte's character and Samantha character were just kind of like punchline characters. So we weren't really getting much depth. But but I think just like as far as like what was discussed in this show, which is like intimacy and, you know, sex and all these things is. Um, yeah. Relationships is actually like the core of what people can relate to with their own relationships, like real life people. I thought it was down to earth. So absolutely. And that and that actually relate it relates to something I wrote in my notes that I said. And just like that was so stylized. It was so Mm -hmm. like shown through this really stylistic lens that doesn't feel authentic to real life. And no Sex and the City, the series, no. Is it super relatable? Not fully. But it was more relatable than just like that. Because I I think that's why the fans were so into this show. It's because they saw either a little bit of themselves or like a fantasy self in it. But you're absolutely right. This is, if you've been following us along from the beginning, we have been teasing you with the meat of the show and it's here. Like we are in the excellence of season three, we actually had an awesome fan reach out to us and yes. mentioned that um, the the season, this is one of their, their their favorite parts, like especially towards kind of the middle end of season three with Carrie and Big um, and just wrote us like the sweetest, like nicest email ever that made our made our day. So what do we have next week? Okay, so we have season three, episode eight. I am pulling it up oh so quickly. It is the big time. And we have another surprise run-in between Carrie and Big. And then we also have episode eight, the big time. We have another run-in between Carrie and Big. And then we're also like in it with Charlotte and Trey because we know they go very quickly. We're getting good. We're in the, I think we're starting to enter like the golden area of the Sex and the City series. Um, yes, we are. And a special shout out to Audrey, who sent us, I think we mentioned this earlier, she was the fan who sent us this like amazing email. It totally made our days. And she's going to come on the pod soon um, when we get to the thick of Carrie and Big, which is just like season three is like absolutely the best. And the affair. And yes. the affair. So thanks, guys, for listening. Thank and, you. Um, yeah. Bye. Bye, little salt shakers. Bye, little shake it like a salt shakers. (laughs) Bye.